Listener Production. Hey, darlings, it's producer Carly here. And I'm just popping in to let you know we had some tech difficulties with this episode. So there was a little bit of lag, which means there's a little bit of talking over each other. Hope you can forgive that because it's a really great episode. Hilarious and heartwarming. Also wanted to give you a heads up that there is some talk of miscarriage in this episode. If you find this triggering, then please head to the show notes. I've popped some resources in there for you. On with the show. To Darling Shine, a podcast by myself, Elodie Pullen, and me, Chloe Fisher. A place where we grant womanhood's unspoken experiences from grief to fertility and everything in between. Join us while we transform our pain into power, encompassing all emotions, ugly and beautiful. Darling Shine is your chosen family and your survival kit for the unexpected shit life throws at you. Everybody and welcome to this week's episode of Darling Shine. We have a very special guest today. We have my mum, Alison, on the podcast. Welcome, mum. Hi, girls. So proud of the pair of you with your Darling Shine. I think mum's one of our biggest fans. She's listened to every episode, haven't you? I do. Yeah, it's all my friends. I hope I'm going to go on one day, so here Yay. I am. Here I am. Finally. Oh. Everyone's been asking for you, so I'm so stoked you're finally on Al. You're the absolute best, our favourite supporter. I am two girls, very much so. <laughs> Let's start from the top, Doll. I want to hear about where did you grow up, your siblings, your family, all of your childhood to begin with in a snapshot, in a nutshell. In a nutshell. Okay, well, I grew up, started off in the eastern suburbs when I was a child because my parents were both from there and then my father bought his first block of land at Eastwood. Eastern suburbs of Sydney. Sydney, yes. So that's where we sort of, my family's background was and my father wanted to build a new house for his family so we moved to Eastwood and Dad bought a block of land and we built a new house there, a brand new house, and I have five, yeah, five brothers and sisters in my family. I have three brothers and one sister and I'm in the middle, that middle child. Big uh, crazy family like you do now. Yes, love. <laughs> and then I went to um, a little Catholic <laughs> primary school called St Kevin's Eastwood followed by Mount St Benedict's at Pennon Hills, which was a girls' Catholic school, which... I loved and still got friends from uh, my high school days now, my best friends still now. A bit like Chloe and all her girlfriends, yeah, still got four or five girlfriends that I went to high school with that still we speak quite regularly and dine out and have dinners and whatnot and to this day still great friends with my school friends. Private school girls. Who would have thought that we all, thought? we'd all be private school girls? Yes, love. That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> when I met my husband... Dave through a friend of a friend one night at it was North Sydney Leagues Club and the guy I was living with brought this guy home and I actually was dating a guy at the time called Steve and then Paul brought this guy home and he was in the lounge and I woke up in the morning and walked out in the lounge and went, oh, my God, who's he? I think that's Dave Chapman. I went, he's all right, he's pretty oh hot. God. And that's how I met him and then I woke up and I made him bacon and eggs Dave in the morning. Dave Chapo. Chapo and then I broke up with Steve a week later and we was Dave and, yeah. Here I am now, still with Dave And Chapman. you and Dad have been married for, what, 32 yeah, years 32 or something? years, yeah. Met him, dated for a year, got engaged a year later and married a year later. Did you? That was quick. Yeah, pretty quick, yeah. Honeymoon baby in Fiji. <laughs> and actually it was a cyclone. We'd only been there for like two days and all of a sudden a cyclone hit Fiji and it was called Cyclone Cena. Everyone always said to me, why didn't you call Chloe Cena? I went, well, I'm, I'm glad you did Cena. So, yeah, we, um, yeah, then basically. Cena. Cena. Yes, Cena Chapman. Um, but that was the cyclone that I was, con Chloe was conceived in. And then we, um, yeah, she came in the August and I got married 
the November than the year before. So she's a she's a um, yeah honeymoon baby. Wow. Hey Al, because you always grew up in a big family with lots of well, you had a few siblings. Did you always want to have like a fair few? Ki- I mean, you've got four kids. Did you always want to continue having a big family, or was it kind of just like did it all just happen? My life, I always wanted to be a mum, a bit like the way Chloe is. You know, I was a. Never wanted to be. I had actually a job in um, Channel Seven when I first started working. I was in the, the media game myself, and then I, um, yeah, I fell pregnant on my honeymoon and and finished the job I had, and then stayed home as a mother. I just always wanted to be, a, believe it or not, a housewife, and you know, wash and cook. I love cooking. I love cleaning. Yeah. I love fluffing around, and still to this day, you know, as a job, I love kids. I love nannying. I can do everything. I can wash. I can clean. I can cook. <laughs> I can entertain them, you know, any you age. You honestly are the best. And I just, yeah, I've always loved kids. You're a powerhouse. And... You literally come to my house and just flip the joint upside down. Not only do you care for Minnie and just, like, be the best nanny ever, but I'll come home and my house is spotless, my sheets are made, my dishes are done, <laughs> my washing's done. I'm just like, how the fuck did you look after Minnie? She's perfectly asleep and my house is spotless and you've done everything. I'm just like... What the hell? And also, how do you have energy? Like, I'm so tired all the time and I'm 30. Always looking at you going... She doesn't know how to... She doesn't know how to, like, sit down and do nothing. Like, I've been saying... Because, like, all of us kids... Well, actually, my youngest sister, Sophia, is still at home. But, like, all of us kids are out of home now. And I'm like, don't you just want to, like, sit down and, like, do nothing and put your feet up and just, like, slow down and just chill and just, like, be? And she's like, nah, "Nah, don't know how to do that. Don't know how to do that. I can't just sit down and people go, if you watch this and watch this on the TV or... No, don't watch TV. Ever. Oh, I actually do. <laughs> I watch the, uh, the Today Show in the morning with my husband when he brings me a cup of tea in bed and that's about, oh, and actually um, who, wants to be <laughs> a million, who wants to be a millionaire in the afternoon, but that's about it. No, I'm not a TV and I'm not a sit-down-on-the-couch person, fold the washing at the end of the day. But yeah. you and Dad, I want to go back to Dad. So you and Dad have been married for 32 years last year, yeah? Yep. That's a bloody long time. Any tips for marriage? 32 years. He's a pretty easygoing guy. Even today, he's, um, yeah, nothing worries him and he's, um, he's certainly not a husband that's controlling. I'm probably the more dominating one of the parents. No. Oh, I know what Dubby <laughs> Yeah, you're always on his back about something. Yeah, he never tells me what to do. He doesn't, you can't do this, you can't do that. I've spent a lot of time on the road driving up to the Gold Coast because I love it up here. I live in North Narrabeen and he's like, people go, how are you always away all the time? I said, doesn't your husband care? I went, no. As long as you're happy, Al, I'm happy. So I'm like, yeah, never, ever can't do this, you can't do that, which some girls' husbands are very, oh, I couldn't do that. Oh, my God, how could you do that? Does, does your husband care? I went, no. Nah. And every, all my friends, oh, my God, I've never met anyone that loves their wife so much as your husband does too, and I'm pretty lucky that way, I suppose, because he uh, oh, never... Shout out um, to Dad. Love you, Dad. Love you, Dad. Baby. He's the yes, best. Yes, Dubbo. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to get Dub on the podcast one day. He's actually just the best. Like, you guys are just such, like, a family, family, really tight-knit, but then you guys can just kind of go off and do your own thing and go away for a week or two here. And I don't know, you've just still got this really cool family unit, though, and it, I think that's really special. Oh, Al, and um, can we talk about travelling? Because I just, I know that you hate oh, airports. Far out. It's like, I laugh at her, but it's actually, I've like, people have these phobias and, like, you know, it's a serious, you know, it's a serious thing and you can't laugh about it all the time, but mum... We brought her to Europe a few years ago and um, honestly, I've never met someone who's scared, so scared of the airport. Like her anxiety, even when she's up here on the Gold Coast visiting us and she has to get on a plane back to Sydney, which is just like a small domestic airport vibe. She's at the airport three or four hours early, just like she packs her bags three times before it's like, 
Wow. Or she comes up for one weekend and she's like, I'm just going to bring a backpack. And she rocks up with like a big suitcase. But you've got a proper phobia of airports, yeah? It's more of the checking in and the overweight. Yeah, but I did have a bit of a funny time travelling with Chloe and Paul and her friend Ellie King. We all went away and going from airport to airport and and me having my bag and then getting there and Paul going, oh, you're going to be freaking overweight. I'm saying, mate, I freaking know before I'm even there. Then I'm going, okay, Ellie, can you have a little bit? Chloe, open your bag. Paul, can you just... Oh, for fuck's sake, honest. Alison, he said, can you just... I said, mate, I, I try to bring not too much stuff, but then... I heard you also ask complete strangers if you can put stuff in their bag oh, too. Can I you talk that. to us I about know, that? I know, I did that, did that. I was I was coming up to the Gold Coast. Cooper had some oh, some function somewhere and I had to bring these white sand shoes of his up and I got to the gate and I'm thinking, oh, my God, and I, had, and I got to the jet star and they're weighing your, like, hand luggage in and I'm sitting there going, oh, my God, oh, my God, and I had these shoes and I'm, there's a young guy sitting beside me. I said, oh, hi, and he goes, how you going? I went, mate. <laughs> See that bag beside you? I said, have you got anything else in that bag? He goes, no, no. I said, do me a huge favour. And guess what? I said, these white sand shoes are my sons. I said, I know they're going to hit me when I get to that. They're going to re-weigh re, um, my bags. I'm going to get hit up. I said, any chance you can take these white leather sand shoes of my sons because they're going to weigh over and I'll meet you at the other end. Uh, no. get an airport. He goes, yeah. I said, what seat number are you in? He goes, I'm this. I said, I'm in this. I said, I'm going to wait for you when I get off the plane so I can get the shoes so I won't be overweight. And he said, yeah, no worries. He did it. I honestly, I, the, I the, it's morally like you'd think it's the right thing to do, but I would probably not take something off a stranger to put in my bag and meet them at the other Fuck end. no. But he did it. God love him. Silly I boy. I would also never ask. I'd literally pay $400 for overweight <laughs> rather than ask a random. Fully. <laughs> she panicked. panic ask. Yeah. Oh, wow, he it. must have been panicking too and gone, oh, God, she better not have drugs in her shoes, this chick. <laughs> no, no, no. He, Did he, he check? Was, uh, he was all good. Just met him at the other end and I got off before him. I sat there and he said, here's your shoes. I went, thank you so much. <laughs> Didn't get the extra overweight. But, yeah, just the thought of those jet star ladies are even scarier. Virgin are good. Virgin are good. They're, they're pretty cool. But just those jet scar ladies, when you get to the end, I'm like, oh, my God. Jet scar. You're scarred by me. Jet scar. Yeah, they scar you. Jet scar ladies. Jet scar ladies. But anyway, yeah, I do have a bit of a phobia. But, no, I wanted to go back to our upbringing because a lot of people are really interested on knowing, you know, you've had, you've got four children. So you've got my youngest sister, Sophia, 22, yes. 22, lives just turned Olivia 26. is 26 and so Cooper is 28. 28 and I'm 31. So you've got four kids 10 years apart. Who's your favourite, Al? I don't have a favourite. I'm one of those mums that are very equal, you know, like I do People no, actually I have favourites. Is that a thing? They do. I think some parents do. Surely I mean, not. David probably is a bit more favouritism to Cooper. Shut up. Don't put words well, in his mouth. No, well, he's, he's a boy. Yeah, he, we know he's not, but he Mum, come well, on. Well, you know, it's his son. He's only got one son. Because he's a boy, they band together. So, Four girls against two boys. Yeah. I mean, he's close to all the girls, but I, I think he's, sometimes <laughs> I think he's a little bit favoured to Cooper than the girls, but anyway, it's just me. Growing up, we all lived in North Narrabeen. I went to school, obviously, with Elle, but we were, I want to talk about, like, you were pretty strict, but you weren't. I always say like my biggest regret when I was growing up was not being more naughty because I was just so good at school at night. I was just always wanted to be like a goody two-shoes and, you know, we used to go to parties on the weekend and stuff and I know Elle, whenever I'd hung, hang out with Elodie, it was like how are we going to sneak out? Whose parents' house can we stay at? That's the easy access to the back door and the windows and shit. Whereas I'm like... I can't, A, sneak out of my house. I would just never have done it. And B, like, I wouldn't even stay at a friend's house that I knew were going to sneak out. But, like, what went through your mind as, like, bringing up kids? Like, did you have, like, no, like they were any... All, sounds really dicky, but they were all pretty 
good, yeah, no. I, well, when I grew up as a, a parent too, my mum and dad were, I suppose. You were the naughty pretty, one. Well, not really. I did one naughty thing I've got to tell you when I was in school. But that was peer pressure. <laughs> there was a tough girl in the form. I won't say. I'll call don't her, say her name. I'm not, I'm not. I'm just going to call her Lisa. Anyway, <laughs> this girl, Lisa, in my form. And it was I was in year eight, so I would have been 13. And who's going to bring the alcohol to the school camp? I'm like, oh, my goodness, that, that sounds like fun. And I, so I spent the whole week um, getting my mum's spice jars. In those days, they had spice racks and you just push these lids on. And mum had the wine in the fridge, the squirty, you know, the, the cask wine. So all week I was bloody going in the fridge at night time and squirting the, I had six vials, like six of those, like, spice like yeah, jars. spice jars no you get now. Way. I had six spice jars of this white wine. My Green friend bag. Jenny brought the scotch oh in a God, jar yeah. and, and we all got on the bus and we all gave it to Lisa. So everyone, <laughs> Lisa's got all the money, alcohol. And we get to this, um, like the Wiseman's oh Ferry and we got the barge across, all the Catholic girls all go across the barge. The Catholic girls. Night one. Lisa goes, I mean, we're going to get busted. So what does Lisa do? She throws all the bloody bottles into the water. Well, the tide comes up, don't they? Who's got all these things? And Lisa, oh, Alison and da 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 So the prince, deputy principal came across that night and I had to go home, didn't I? Well, they dobbed you in. Well, the, the alcohol was on the shore. Yeah, but they, how'd they well, know? Because Lisa dobbed, dobbed us in that we gave to her. <gasps> so there was five of us. No way. And I lived at Eastwood and the principal lived at West Rides. I was the last one dropped off. So we're, we're all in this big group, all the friends, everyone around this eating area, and the names are getting caught out. So, well, Alison oh McElroy and da-da-da-da, Mr Quinn's on his way because you all have to go home. I'm thinking, oh, I was all of, I was, what, I was 13, 14. I'm going, 13? Oh, my God. 13 I was. Elodie, I was year eight oh. at school, so I would have been, not year I would have been 13. I think the, the, the naughtiest thing that I did when I was 13 was bring lollies to camp. <laughs> <laughs> Year eight, year, hey. No, I was in year eight. Yeah. Wow. So Mr Quinn drove us yeah. all home and then I remember knocking on, we lived in this cul-de-sac at Eastwood. I would have been probably nine or ten at night and mum and dad had no idea I was coming home and <laughs> Mr Quinn at the front door knocking, going, knock, knock, knock. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm in so much trouble. <laughs> and then mum and dad answered, yes, Mr Quinn, I've got Alison here. She's been brought home to school camp. She took alcohol. Alison took alcohol. Which get the alcohol? Mum's out the fridge. And my brother's busted, busted. Well, then I was suspended for a week of school. I couldn't get back to school, could I? Bloody grounded. So I had to okay. stay inside for a whole week because um, my mum wouldn't let anyone in the neighbours hood see that Alison's not going to school. So I got suspended. What did you do, Elodie? You must have done something naughty. Um, you must. I didn't take alcohol to school or to school camps ever. I don't. I would just like. You took alcohol sneak to sleepovers. At like, yeah, like you'd like you'd go and ask randoms to buy you alcohol around like year eight, year nine. But um, it was never to do with school. I never did it at school. Camp. One other naughty I thing know. I did I was can't remember. I used to go to Manly on the weekends. I had a boyfriend that lived at Manly and I wanted to go to him to see the, to the beach to hang out with him and my dad said, you're not going, you've got to go to church. I'm like, oh, my God, I want to go to church. So I hid my bag and I probably would have all been 13 or 14 and I hid my bag for the beach in the back of the station wagon and we're all at church or the family, you know, Sunday church. I knew I had to get on the train to meet my friend that was going to be on the train and she got on the Pennant Hill station. I was getting on at Eastwood. We had to go early because we had to get to the beach before... Everybody else, so we thought we were locals. Go to communion down there, body of Christ, amen, take the host out the side door. And I fucking ran. Body of Christ. Body of Christ. Took the host and ran, out, out, the side, ran out the side door and raced in my dad's car, got my backpack out the car and raced down the train station, got on the train and went to, met my friend, went to Manly to meet my boyfriend, Kingsley. And then I had to walk home and I got Kingsley. so much joy. Yes, Kingsley, look, how funny is that? That was funny. Did you have heaps of boyfriends through school, Al? 
No, I wasn't. She calls herself the body. Reminds me all the time that that's what she used to be you called. No, I used kid. to look at Channel 7 actually in my day and they did call She's me She's been actually. dying to say the Channel 7 the part. Body. She's mentioned this three times. They're going, maybe I should say <laughs> that I used to work at Channel 7. So it's a twice you've announced it in the, pub, in the podcast. <laughs> How many what times you... can I drop Channel 7? <laughs> what did you do when at Channel 7, Mom? What did I do at Channel 7? Tell I us. was in the facilities department. So I used to run, I used to do all the schedules for the, um, it was a great job actually. I had a young girl at 18 with, the body, as I called me. Anyway, so I used to run around the studio, so I had to go to Studio A and they were doing Sons and Daughters and B was doing a country practice. C was um, Cardin Connection and there was a newsroom. So I used to type up all the rosters for all the boys and if they had an amendment to their roster, you'd have to take around and find them in the studio. So you'd run around the studio looking for the boys. Oh, yeah. and, and I lived one street <laughs> from Channel 7. So at lunchtime, we used to go back to my house and the bosses from Channel 7 used to come back to our house and we'd all lay around the pool and have drinky poos. They were the days when, yeah, you used to have a drinky ah. poo at work. Drinky so, yeah, poo. At work, yeah. So <laughs> Photos of you, though, Al, when you're like 20, you literally, you and Chloe are like twins. I mean, you actually still are, but it's so weird. When I look back at photos of you, I always think it's Chloe. Like, you do have the exact same face and the exact same body, like, when I look at those photos. Isn't she lucky? Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Yes. Uh, she joking. gets it from but, her um, mama. My younger days, I did have a fun, fun life working and, and then, as I said, I fell pregnant. On a honeymoon and never went back to work. Yeah, being a housewife and, yeah, and cooking and cleaning. Then I had Chloe and then I mis- had a miscarriage actually between Chloe and Cooper and I was probably about 11 weeks. And I remember oh. it today at my mum's having dinner and went to the toilet and went, oh, my goodness, what's happening? And, and then I, I called my husband and said, Dave, oh, my goodness, a bit of blood. They took me to the hospital and sure enough, I miscarried. And then I, the worst thing about it was actually, which probably wouldn't happen today, was they took me to um, Monabar Hospital and they put you in the maternity ward. You're in the um, the ward with all the pregnant women and you're laying in there knowing that the next morning you're going to have your uterus, you know, scraped and whatnot. And, and all these babies were crying and then it was breakfast the next morning. Going, to, I, said, I, couldn't have, I couldn't sit down there and have breakfast. It was all these women with their babies That's in. heavy. Yeah, they have all these babies and all these women. They still do that. They still do like similar, like it's not like exactly the same, but I've definitely been to like an ultrasound clinic that when I had my last miscarriage, when you like go in there and you sit down and it's like an ultrasound for women. So like, you know, there's probably a handful of you in there that are having miscarriage, well, like that are going in to find out that you're having a miscarriage and then there's other women sitting there that have got full bellies like husband and wife hugging and shit. It should just be a thing. like such an easy thing to do. It's so easy and it's just like stabs you in the heart like it should be black and white it's weird I knew nobody that had in my day had an IVF baby it wasn't all I knew about an IVF which some people might relate to was that it was a, it was called a test tube baby yeah we've spoken yeah. about that before I remember but, that there would be like that one kid at school yeah. test tube baby yeah, yeah. No, I'd be like don't. oh that's so weird and now it's every kid yeah no and and, that, and then I have spoken to friends over the years and said, oh, actually, my, my, my baby's a IVF. I went, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, so I think it was something that was never spoken about. Um, so you don't really recall other friends having many miscarriages that you had to support them through it? Like, no, no, It was really just no, not? No, me and me only. Oh, nobody talked no. about it. Because I think... would have been having them. You kind of would, like, hear about it every now and then, but it was never like a... It was never something that people spoke about, which I just think is so, so weird. And, like, that whole 12-week thing is just like, but Why? Just in general, talking about your feelings and getting what's off your chest as well, like mental health as as a whole. So many people are now like open about seeing psychologists and actually getting help, whereas before it was really like you wouldn't really tell people if you were going to see someone. People were so hush-hush. Al, like, do you feel like you've seen a massive shift in the past like 10 years? Oh, my God, And how do you feel about like... Definitely, definitely. Oh, God, there was never any uh, subject anyone ever spoke about. 
ever. You know, from I had this Dr. Roach. It was never him going, oh, do you want to speak to somebody about how you're feeling? And and I said I had Chloe to go home to. But I often like think Chloe. about that as well with me, like and going through what I'm going, at, like all the miscarriages that I've had, I always think like, it's never easier, not like trying to downplay anyone that has children at home, but I do think that if I was to have a baby at home, you not that you you feel just so grateful to be Absolutely. able to be like, you know, I get to go home and I've got this baby and it's healthy and, you know, we're so lucky to actually have you. But I know I can fall pregnant. I know I can have a baby. We can sort of try again. But some people have secondary infertility where they do had their first babies and then like, they've gone to have their second or third and then they can't fall pregnant. And back in the day when we were growing up, you never heard of anyone talking about IVF, but you question it all now because you're just like, why, why, why do so many women, it's no joke, yeah. but like why do so many people have to have IVF these days? I just don't, so confusing. I'm sure it's a bit of a double-edged sword because you'd be so proud, but at the same time, listening would be so painful. But in relation to like Chloe being so public about her journey and spreading awareness on miscarriage and infertility, you must just be, yeah, so proud. At the beginning, I was like, oh my gosh, should you be telling the world about all this? And after, because she's going through her like whatever, fifth and sixth one, I don't even really, I mean, she can tell me what she was. I don't ask her anymore. It's too... It's too hard. Too hard, too sad. And, and, you know, the first one or two, I went on the journey with her, but now it's like, oh, I'm doing a transfer next week. And I, and I other times I'd be going, texting, going, how are you going? Is it still going? I think, no, I'm not even, not even going to ask it. She'll tell me if she wants to tell me now. It's not a... I think at the start as well, I always, oh, I also thought like with family and stuff, when even just going down the IVF route, I feel like people would be like, oh, you're 30, like, why are you doing this? Like, are you sure you haven't been trying hard enough? Or are you sure, like, you're young, you're fit, you're healthy, like, why can't you just fall pregnant and sort of thing? So I think at the start and the expectations that, for me, expecting to just go straight into it and then fall pregnant straight away because you're doing IVF and I am young. But I think that now, and it's just for everyone, I do feel like I come on here, I shared so much at the start about my journey, but now I just kind of pick and choose when I want to share it and how I want to share it because, like, my seventh or eighth round and I'm like, I still can't believe that I'm here doing this and it's not working and I don't have explained, it's essentially unexplained infertility at this point. But, and it's not that I don't like want people to know. It's so hard for me. It's just like a real weird one. And I I was reading on um, our Darling Shine Facebook community about the mother relationship with their daughter going through IVF. And they're like, it got to a point where I just couldn't share anymore because like, mum's such an empathetic person and mum like you know she gets really upset and it actually like hurts me to share because it makes me upset seeing her upset it's something that I just can't explain because like we have always been really really close but just this in general I literally will pick up the phone to mum and mum will just I can hear in her voice breaking as I'm telling her and I'm like it hurts me to hear her like that, but it also it's like it makes it really difficult for me as well. Like, and it's just I can't speak to. Tell? Who do you fucking tell? Yeah. Like, I'm so like, and without being saying, being insensitive, like I've I'm obviously really lucky and really grateful that I have Paul here that I can do have with him. But and I don't want to put it on L. It's just like seven or eight rounds in, you're just like, what the actual fuck is going on? Like, you just this like emotional you know, you have your bad days, you have your good days, but it's like, who do you talk to? And without getting, even with my family now, like I have, we've got a family group chat and I like, 
because I said maybe like two rounds ago, I was just like, please just don't ask me anymore. Like if I want to share, when I get to a point, I feel like I want to share, I'll share. Up until then, I actually try not to think about it because it actually is really difficult to think about it, if that makes sense. Like I just try and really try and get on with my days and just do life and put it on the back burner until like a crunch time comes where it's like, I'll tell them when I'm doing a transfer so I can, you know, check in, see how I'm feeling or I'll feel like when I'm doing a collection. It's different on here because I just feel like I'm talking to like air. Yeah. When it's on a personal level, it's just like, fuck, it's really hard. And I think Elodie finding that she has a low, low egg count. Like, did you know that growing up? Of course she didn't. And Chloe has this low egg count. And my daughter who's 20, 26... She was, I'm not going to say her number, but he, I took it to your doctor, and he said, no, that's not bad. It's not fabulous, but she's, you know, she's got lots of eggs there. She's 25, so should Libby just get those bunch that she's got and just freeze them? And then there's Sophie, who's 22, and she was at the um, gynecologist one day, and I said to him, I said, do you think we should get her AMH? She goes, she's 21. I said, well, she's got an older sister who's 30 and... Well, she would have thought she had lots of eggs. She would have thought when you get married and like I did, you get married and you have a baby. And mm. if Chloe would have known in her early 20s that she had this egg count that was like 15 and it should be 40, well, you know what? Let's get those 15 and freeze them. She could all these young eggs up asleep. Now, not her not knowing until she was... 30, you know, 29. 30, 29, 30, that, oh, your egg really young. Well, she had no... I would have had no idea she had, you know, but I think if you want and if you've got a, a sister or something that has that problem, they want to freeze them, let them. This guy noticed, said, oh, no, look, she's only 20 and you shouldn't be doing that. But it'd be really nice to know. And she wanted to know. And he goes, no, oh, she'd be young to find that out. Like, so they oh. wouldn't even let Sophia do the test? No. You really should be able to go to the doctor, I think, and ask kind of for whatever tests you need. Like yeah, it's not I like agree. you're asking for a crazy medication. You're just no. saying, I just really want to look into this. And it's like, a blood I test. I have a gut feeling about. Yeah. It's crazy, yeah. That annoys me. If a young woman walks into a doctor's surgery and says, like, I'm just really concerned, can you just let me know what my egg count is? Sure, darling, let's just get this blood and we'll let you know. Come back and I say, think, your number is blur. I think the the reason behind mm. it as well, and like we've spoken to my IVF doctor, Dr. Ong, about it, and we've also spoken to Dr. Davidson, Elodie's doctor, about it as well. And yes, everyone should be able to, but I think that the, the GPs are reluctant if they're younger because they're like, well, you actually haven't tried and you might be able to just do it. And it's like, it's it's more stress. If you do find out that you've got a low number, it's a lot of stress to put on your body and a lot of pressure, especially if you're not in a relationship or anything like that. But it's like a mixed bag because it's like, I I see the the pros and I see the cons for sure. But like in my situation, I'm such a proactive person. And if I was to know that this thing existed, like you should get told, just told about it at school. You shouldn't get told to do it. You should be aware of it. And, you know, I think that if I was to do it, when I was 25 and I was to freeze my embryos, the difference would have been I would have had more up my sleeves. So I would have only had to do one cycle of IVF essentially and get X amount of eggs and embryos. And I would have been able to maybe freeze 10 and then I've got my 10 in the freezer and then that's where they sit. It would have just like taken away me having to do cycles back to back to back. And I would have just been able to now just take them out as I need them and just do transfers I wouldn't have had to do the continuous needles over and over again because I would have had them in the bank from one go. It's it's not a cheap decision. True. Like if you're 25 years old, who's got a spare 15 grand to put out as in case? Like I actually probably wouldn't have done that. I don't know though, actually. Like if I was to be told that I had a low egg count at 25, 
It's like a real weird one. There's some really cool corporations. Like I don't want to, I don't know, like don't quote me, but it might be Google and stuff that with their employees, they actually pay for their employees to go and get their eggs frozen so that they can focus on their career for longer. Yeah. It's pretty cool. That's cool. I like that. But no, just overall, like you two, I feel like I just literally cut from the same cloth and just those people that have always been just family people and destined to be mums. So I feel like sharing your journey so tightly like you always have done can just be super painful because you're so empathetic with one another and it must be so painful for you, Al, to watch Chloe be so let down and feel so defeated every round. So, Mm. yeah, I understand. We're lucky we've got many to share. Thank you. Oh, oh, do you know what? Minnie just loves you so much, Al. It's pretty funny. Yeah. I had a last week. Yeah, I I do. And and for Elodie to let us, Paul and Chloe, love her to pieces, as you all know, and uh, to be able to have Minnie love her like their own, even though it's not their own, it's yours, we know, and Chumpy's beautiful little girl. But No, she's everyone's. I feel like she's just made us this big fat family and um, I just... I know that when Chloe and Fish have theirs, it's just going to be like, they'll just be literally sisters or brother and sister. They'll just be yeah. so tight. We're just all a big fat unit. And she's got so many grandmas. Like, I mean, she is absolutely obsessed with you, Alex. And again, so pisses cute. Paul off because he knows damn well when I get there, she's like, Alan. He's like, no, give it back to me. No, <laughs> she puts her arms out to me and so I turn up. He's just like, oh, I'm as Al. We honestly do just feel so lucky to have you, Al. Obviously, and you and Clone Fish, like so special. Yeah. Um, I can't wait to just keep our family growing, and I just, yeah, always hoping it's right around the corner for you guys. Yeah, it'll happen. She'll have a miracle baby like you. That's what we call Minnie. Fucking sick of hearing it'll happen. I know that, and I say it every day to her. And I always feel so bad to fucking say it because I know you hate your over hearing that. Hearing that. Nothing worse when you ring someone. They go, and this is really shitting me at the moment. Oh, I'm just so busy. (laughs) Who isn't busy? Like who isn't busy? And everyone's busy. You busy, Elodie? I feel like I always just say I'm so tired, but then okay, who tired. isn't tired? Like everyone's fucking tired. Yeah. Everyone's busy and everybody's tired, you know. All me and Chloe say to each other is I'm so busy, I'm so tired. I swear to God, that's there you how go. fucking that goes word. through like, our chat. Like, you pair all We're the time. Boring. I'm just so busy. Like, oh, busy, busy doing busy things. Busy. Everyone's busy. <laughs> busy, busy fucking napping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, no, but Al, please tell us about your relationship with Paul. Like he's obviously just the fucking best and tell us when you first met him. We know that that was a funny oh, night too. <laughs> I first met him. So we're in the lounge room and Olivia was got her year 12 graduation and I don't know where Sophia was actually. She didn't, I don't know where she was. She didn't come. Grandma and Papa were there. Cooper was in Hawaii, surf coming Hawaii. We're in the lounge room and I could see this guy walking down the stairs and I thought, who's this dude? Who's this guy? I said, um, it's not one of Cooper's mates. I think he had a surfboard under his arm. I said, it's not one of Cooper's mates. Because Cooper said he's got a friend coming. He goes, no. Nah. And then this guy knocks on the door and I said, hello. And he goes, hello. I went, who are you? I'm Fisher. I'm Fisher. I went, oh. I'm, I'm here to see Chloe. I went, well, oh. she's not here. I said, I'm, I'm surprising her. She doesn't know I'm coming. I said, oh, well, oh my where does she think you are? And she said, he think, she thinks I'm... Um, Hawaii. Hawaii. Pig hunting. Pig hunting or something was stupid. I went, oh, I said, well, I'm really bad, mate, but um, she's at work. I think she was being for Hurley at the time or something. No, I was at ACP magazines. ACP magazines. And I'm thinking, I feel really rude, but... um. I, I've got to go out. I've got to be at this, um, my daughter's thing. I said something, and who can I ring? I rang Laura Anova. I said, Laura, it's Al. I said, 
I've got this Fisher guy at the door. And I said, I said, can I bring him down to your house? And Laura lived one street down us. She goes, yeah, 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 bring him to my house. I said, okay, jump in the car. We're going to Laura's. So Dave and I dropped Fisher down to Laura's house and I left Fisher. Him. I think Chloe was going to something that night and then he decided he'd hide at Laura's house. So Laura hit him, I don't know, in a cupboard or something. And then, what did you do, Chloe? You had to go home to get ready and went to Laura's and, and Laura said, no, you've got to come here now. Chloe says, no, no, I've got to go home and get unchanged. Can you just come here? And then... Chloe walked in, oh, I'm bloody, you know, being oh, cranky probably, and she can be. And um, it's the best video we've got of it. And then Audi jumps and <laughs> surprise. And then we had, um, I think it was like maybe was the end of the year, Christmas time, or something. something. And I had relatives at the table, and he hadn't seen his dad in ages, so we went and had like Christmas drinks with his dad, dad. I think. And but my grandparents and everyone were at mum and dad's house, and we're having a bit of like a family family dinner thing, out the and they're going to meet Paul. And meet Paul. And <laughs> we're waiting. For Paul to come late, late, and then he and he was so he was so, so drunk. drunk. Was I remember so him walking in with his. I mean, he talks with his arms, and he walked in. Hello, I'm Fisher, and all the glasses on the table. And all the glasses went flying. Oh I'm going, oh my god. Mum and Dad are going, oh, that's oh a close boyfriend. I went, well, I'm a drunk on it. He's a bit drunk, but yeah, that's Paul. He came in hot. He came in hot with so. his mouth and everything. And yeah, and that was our first family meeting. His potty Paul. mouth. Yeah, he just. Yeah, oh. took all the glasses off the table and the night the day before he just turned up and like... So he made an entrance and... He certainly made an entrance. Not sure if he made a great first impression on the family, family. but... <laughs> doesn't do anything quietly, does he, that guy? Yeah, no, we've had some great times and they, they and I went to Ibiza with them. That was a pretty fun, a pretty fun holiday. You've been on Vegas. lots of tours with them. That was the best, but I went for six, good. five weeks with all my phobia of all the airports you imagine on, off and on planes and... So proud of you. Yeah, we had the we had the best time, but found a new found love of partying. Yeah, well, I knew nothing about DJs. You know, my boyfriend's a DJ. I'm like, well, what do DJs do? I knew, I knew nothing about a DJ. I didn't know what actually DJs did until I went to IBs and then I came home and said, what are they, what are they into? I said, this fun. It's a fun life. Our party's harder than all Wow. Else. Oh, there was some nights that I swear uh, to God, mate, because we actually had both of the mums because I got mum for, um, I think it was her birthday or something, the ticket to Europe and then Paul's mum, well, I want to come too. And so we're like, okay, we'll do both of you together, which was pretty cute. Pretty, pretty big. It's pretty fun. Six weeks yeah, with the two no, Rosie, mums come and. On. Rosie's good value. She's yeah, pretty, no, pretty I'm not. Fun. I'm saying just two but of you actually, together. She was, parties more than me. Like, two of you together were like, yeah. it was great because you both got along really well. But in the afternoon, we go, come on, Rosie, let's just leave and we'll just go down to our little spot. So Rosie and I used to go down to um, the wharf down in Ibiza and she liked the. I used to have an espresso martini and she liked the. Um, what was it with the ice cream, you know? Affogato. Yes. Oh, she, yum. The Ross would have that and I'd have the express and we'd have two or three and then we'd go back and then we'd have you girls been, been to our little bloody place down in Ibiza. So, yeah, Ross and I used to. But there was definitely that. some nights where I'm like, you know, I'm not going out, I'm tired, I'm staying at home. And they're like, well, we're going to go out. So, like, can you put us on the list at Glitterbox? I think I went out with them one night. Never forget that night. Remember, we went to that Glitterbox and Could you would you keep up? No, well, I'd like turn my back. I'm like, where the fuck are these two mums up to no good together? Don't even like need to talk any no, further about she what went down. But no, they <laughs> were up to absolutely no good together. And like, I was just like, honestly, <gasps> this video of her dancing, she, like you can tell that she thinks that she's like absolutely Ripping. unreal. But like, she was so. Drunk, so I? drunk and so and I'm like, oh my, oh my goodness, I need to leave this party because I can't watch this anymore. But and everyone's like, look at your mum, look at her. I'm like, oh, I can't even, I cannot look, I can't. It was just, but oh, yeah, we had a really great time. We 
We had an awesome time. It was funny. Lots of laughs, lots of drinking. Al, what's your favourite tour mem? Um, I love, and you probably met him, that big guy at High Priscilla. What was his name? Lurch, I used to call him. Oh, you love him. What's his name again? Eric. Eric. Oh, yeah, our security security guard. security guard. He used to lift me up my arms and, hello, and I get me pictures in his arms. And he was like, a bit like um, Jaws on, you know, the James Bond. He was big with a big head and he's and strong and... Yeah, he was awesome. Is he your favourite memory? That's your favourite memory. Well, one of my favourite. No, yeah, well, you've got, you've definitely got a different, a better oh, memory than the security um, guard. I loved. I must admit, Roz and Paul, the two of them together, they're pretty entertaining. So me and Ellie just oh, drank, yeah. drank the nice champagne, and those two just hitting off their comedian, you know, stories. A pair of them together it was pretty funny. Honestly, Al, you are my bloody icon. You are such a legend. You've also raised four amazing kids. What do you put it down to? Can you please give us like the top tier word of advice for parenting from the Queen herself? Always be honest and always let them know that they can talk to you about anything. I bring up a lot about my childhood because my as I said, my dad was pretty semi-strict and, and um, yeah, I, I suppose I was a sort of a semi-strict parent. I sort of lived by the rules how I was. David, my husband, had six brothers. There were six kids in his family. Because we were so. always allowed to go to parties, but the mum had to pick us oh, up. Oh, we had to pick up. Yeah, yeah, no, it was none of this. So I'll get home with Mary or Joan and, and a dad alive. Would always so you could check they weren't drunk. Actually, I don't think you were at this party, but it was the year 12 formal, and I swear to God, mum was like, I'll pick you up from the afters. But I'm like, can you not just come when it finishes and pick us up at a certain time? No, no, no. She had to sit. Yeah, I sat Mum up the fucking sat up the street Neil, in the car with not. Ellie's dad, dad waiting. Sat the street waiting for them to come out. <laughs> Even at year 12, <laughs> seriously. And I just like, but I, you know what? I don't regret that. Like I, my, I was always allowed to do whatever I wanted. And, and I could drink, sensible. I could do whatever. But as long as like mum or dad were like, no, no, we will pick you up. Yeah, yeah. Like, my sweet. dad was like that and my dad always was, my dad was always out the front waiting for you. <laughs> Four kids, all from never got in trouble from the police once in their whole life, ever. Um, they're all very my, successful as well. Yeah, they've got their own. Coop's got his own good human factory. The other daughter lives as a nurse. She's at Royal North Shore and she works really hard at Royal North Shore in surgical at, um, as a nurse. And yeah, uh, my baby is a primary school teacher at our local primary school where she went to school. So Sophie's, and she's a surfer and um, very fortunate with the four children um, that I've got and they've all turned out, you know, great kids and everyone loves them and, um, yeah, I love them to pieces. I can't get enough of them. (laughs) um, (laughs) Thanks, Mum. Love you. We love you, Al. Yeah, thanks thanks so much. Thank you so much for having me. I've been waiting to get on your podcast, (laughs) waiting for the opportunity for someone to ask because people say, when are you going to go on, Alison? I was like, it never asks me, but anyway, here I am. Here she is. Yes, thanks for the wisdom and your wise words and your funny stories. Yeah, no. I was, yeah. And do you have any friends that you need to do a shout-out to? Because I know some of them will be oh, die-hard waiting for their name to get oh, dropped. to my... Oh, one of my... My friend Belinda, she loves your podcast. I've got one girlfriend, yeah, Lisa Wiles, who just absolutely... I knew you were going to say that. Lisa <laughs> loves the darling shite podcast. She'd be... I mean, I'm a fan, but I have all my friends... Super I'd fan. To, I'd have to say Lisa Wiles would have to be your super fan. She yeah. Shout out to, to Lisa. Yeah. Love ya. Listens to every yeah, podcast. Lise, yeah, Belle. Talks about everything you say... She'd oh, love that shout-out, Lisa. Lo- love a good shout-out, Lisa. Lisa. All right, thanks, Mum, so we much. Love you, love you and thanks we so much, will Maddie. wrap that one up. Thanks, girls. Woo! Bye, darling, shine. <laughs> See you, um, darlings. See you, darling. <laughs> <laughs>